with that, welcome to another episode of Unleashing the Future of Work. I just realized that I've been muted, so I want to go ahead and intro the amazing guest and speaker that I'm going to have on our episode today, Anita Ledink. Anita Ledink is a strategic multilingual business leader with in-depth knowledge of the HCM ecosystem, human capital management, and an international speaker in HR and workplace technology. She works. She formerly worked with NGAHR, which is the world's number one global HR and payroll firm, driving a culture of innovation based on values and diversity. And today, we're going to have her talk to us a little bit more about leadership in the future of work and how people should manage their career paths in this dynamic future. So with that said, I want to show love to everyone in the comments. Hey, Aya. Hey, Soren. Thank you so much, Isaac, for letting me know that I was muted this entire time. You are awesome, my friend. Now, with that said, let's bring on Anita. Anita. Hey, Tim. Hi, everyone. I'm hey, good. how are you? I'm good. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. <laughs> can you hear us, Anita? I can. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So, Anita, I would love for you to share a bit of your story. Right. How did you get into work that you do in the HR landscape and becoming this global leading figure around the future of work? So talk to us a little bit about your story, Anita. So I joined um, Arinzo back at the time, 19 years ago. I was in IT. They were looking for an IT person, IT consultant. And I joined them not knowing a whole lot about HR and payroll. Um, yeah. For a time that uh, that changed and the company grew and with that growth came a number of really awesome opportunities for me both um, at the national level at first and then since around two, 2011 also at the first at the regional level and then at the global level and then most recently on the executive team of uh, of the company yeah wow and then prior to that, what work were you doing? Did you were you familiar with HR? Not at all. I had a background in technology. I was a Microsoft engineer, Microsoft solution engineer. So I did a lot of I, I worked as a network architect, uh, did a lot of, um, you know, um, creating networks, managing servers, making sure that everyone had a working computer. So. Yeah. I started in with basic hardware and cables, creating networks for companies. Um, not comparable at all to what we have now, right? Um, 20 years ago, we didn't have Wi-Fi. So, yeah. <laughs> which is, is unimaginable if you, if you think about it now. But yeah, so computers were connected to walls with cables and the cables went to servers. That was how we worked. And, and, you know, the work environment has changed so much since then, right? Everyone now has right. smartphones. We're all using Slack for asynchronous communication in a world where you can probably start using VR to collaborate. And no longer do you have to commute. You can telecommute now, right? Right. Trend. You know, I'm fascinated to get your thoughts on one big thing. Uh, and that's essentially how do you see careers changing in this future? And 
in addition to careers, how do you see leadership changing in the future? Yeah. I think when you look at careers, we have a very different view of careers today than we had 20 or 30 years ago. That's true. 20 or 30 years ago, it was very normal that you join a company, at, I would say at the bottom, right? An internship or a junior position, and then you work your way up. And there was the assumption that you would switch or make a step every two or three years. Today, that is quite different in the sense that you see people move between companies and do quite different things. And if you are, I'd say 25 today, good potential that you live to be a hundred mm. and so as you know i've interviewed you for the future of work and i've done some research on the future of work and the belief is that you will have 17 different jobs in five different industries mm. especially for people that grow up now and that are starting out in in the workplace so that whole notion of you make a step every two or three years in the same function or you work 30 or 40 years at the same company that will completely disappear right so people will be very um, flexible move between uh, companies um, if you look at our company we've had the first people that worked for us for two years then went somewhere else like in the public sector and mm. did a project there and then um, you know called me and said can I come back and yeah of course in the past, you would never do that. So mm. it's a completely different world. It's much more project-based and people are much more accept um, accepting of um, employees having different roles at different point points in times and not going for the career ladder. Mm. I love that because I, you know, I think one of the things I often tell people, look, the career ladder is dead, right? It's right. not more about career path like career paths, mm -hmm. right? How do you give employees the opportunity to choose, customize, and develop based on their own choice? So if someone is coming in and they're wanting to learn more about marketing, but they change their mind and they want to learn more about product management, how yeah. do you create an internal ecosystem within your, your workplace that allows them to pivot? You know, and I would love to get your thoughts on this, right? Because you had a really dynamic career within NGA. I did. Right? Formerly, how were you able to pivot so many different times to really grow your career the way you wanted to? And what are three practical things you encourage people to do to do the same? Yeah. So I was very fortunate in that the company was growing. We were going in a different direction. We were a company that was 100% consulting back when yeah. I joined them. And over time, we moved as the whole industry has moved to a company that had many more recurring clients. So we started to provide services and outsourcing for clients. So a lot more, more recurring um, jobs. And that also meant that we, made, we created a new business line, new business units. And over time, I was given the opportunity to work first in consulting, then in outsourcing, and mm -hmm. then I into, um, I would say, more managerial roles, um, mostly in the go-to-market part of the organization. For, I would say, um, a part that is just because you work hard and you deliver results. Because mm. 
There is no career without delivering. It's mm. very simple. The other thing is that you need to create a network in the company that will help you or help you keep informed of what is going on. Yeah. And when something changes, you also, I would encourage people to step up and say, hey, I heard about this initiative. What can I do to help? Because I think it's a good initiative. I have some ideas. Who do I talk to and where, where who could offer me a job? Or how, how do I participate in this, uh, in this project? Mm. It's keeping your eyes open for wider possibilities than just what is your day job. Although yeah. focusing on the day job, because remember, I also said you have to deliver um, results. And then at, at certain points in time, I have taken a step back and thought about, okay, what's next for mm. me? And what would I like to do? Is that available to me? Can I talk to someone? Um, and so that is also what I mean with take the initiative. It's not always a straight line for me. It also wasn't always a straight line, but at a certain point in time, all these different, um, all, all these different jobs that I had done and all the different experiences that I had allowed me to step up and get a place on the executive mm. team. So in hindsight, it wasn't a straight career ladder. It wasn't a straight line, but it got me um, where I wanted to go. I love that. And you mentioned this very important aspect that I think people sometimes don't realize when it comes to working in a corporation it's building a network that extends beyond yeah. you right right yeah because a network allows you first of all it's people that you work with that are outside your comfort zone that you can yeah. learn something from right um but it also gets your name out there because if mm -hmm. someone's worked with you and they think that you did a good job then mm -hmm. when here's someone else needing those same skills or those same capabilities very often they will say hey give that person a call because we had them in our team and they did a fantastic job so if you need someone to deliver this for you give them a call mm, mm. that is also how i when i have projects that is how i staff them i i i know that in a company of you know um close to five thousand people i don't know everyone but once you start asking your colleagues, hey, I have this job, and do you know someone who could be a star performer? Then typically they know someone who knows someone. So yeah, yeah. You, you need to build your network. And very important, if you work if you work for a company that have different business lines, create a network that involves people outside of your uh, of your business line or outside of your country or whatever entity you work in because that increases your exposure and therefore you have more opportunities. I love that. I absolutely love that, Anita. And to really quickly chime in on what our lovely audience is saying, Isaac is saying, hi, Anita and Tim. This is an awesome, this is one of the best podcasts to listen to during my lunch break. Shout out to you, Isaac. Thank you for tuning in as one of our- Thank you, Isaac. Community members. Q Harrison, a good friend of mine saying, this is a baller, 
podcast. Appreciate you guys. And Marciano Loen is saying, is there a way to rewatch this from start to finish? He's that excited to rewatch this later on. Good. And Isaac actually already has some questions that we can actually surface to you, Anita, and get your thoughts on. Isaac is asking, what percentage percentage of your jobs has come as a function of internal relationships or external relationships? Talk to me, Anita. Okay. So my role at NGA was strategy and alliances. And as alliances implies, that was building networks with vendors that we work with or potential new vendors that could be added to our portfolio. Mm. Especially in the final years of my time at NGA, I would say I'd spend about between 50 and 75% of my week in calls and meetings with people that were not from uh, from NGA. But wow. in, the early, in the early years of my career, I have also, for instance, managed um, the outsourcing business of NGA. And then 80% of my time was spent on managing um, the people, the teams that were providing the services to our clients. And probably mm. 20% of the time I spent outside with the clients because we had salespeople and account managers who really managed the clients. So it was different in every, uh, in every role. Mm. Mm. The other thing that helped is... I have been with NGA for 19 years. So I've seen a lot of people come, I've seen a lot of people go, and the past um, the past 10 years I've had um, roles in management. So people know me, people mm. know who I am, um, people reach out to me. I, I know, I have seen a lot of people come, so I know who they are. Um, so the longer that you are with a company, the larger your network is, obviously. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you say about people who who struggle to build internal networks within their companies? Because I think you do a really great job of doing two things, building an internal network uh, within, within the former company you worked mm -hmm. at, yay, but you also built an external network. Do you think it's either or, or, you know, or should you be doing both? Talk to me about that. I, I think you should be doing both. And yeah. The reason for that is, as we just talked, your career is going to be, you know, it's if it's 17 jobs in five different industries, it's yeah. very likely that you won't spend 19 years in a company like I did. Yeah. It's much shorter. And therefore, if you want to build your network, um, you have to also build an external network. Now, the other reason why I think building an external network is so interesting is because it gives you exposure to outside opinions. If you work in the same company for a very long time, you run the risk of thinking along the company lines instead of having fresh perspectives. So if you talk to people on a regular base, um, people that are not in your company, then you also learn different things. You hear from people how they solve problems as opposed to how we would solve problems internally because, you know, we've been doing this for a very long time. So it always needs to be a mix of internal and external uh, people. And I think it, is, it isn't difficult to build an external network or an internal mm -hmm. 
or it works along um, the same principles actually but you need to be able to give something back right mm. so I know a lot of people because I've been in the industry for a long time and working in the HR ecosystem. But for instance, Tim, you and I met because I reached out to you with a question, right? Yeah. I invited you to the podcast. We'd never spoken to each other before. Um, but that is how we met. We exchanged some notes over the internet and that was it. And so, it is much easier right now or today to um, get introduced to people and, and to meet external people than it was, let's say, um, five, ten years ago. So if you reach out to people, there's always a possibility to um, get something, uh, get something back. This is so true. And this is a follow up question to, uh, to to the last question I asked you, um, because Isaac loved that answer. He was like, this is facts. This is such a great response. It's important to do both. Um, one of our community members and listeners right now, Saad, is saying, how do you suggest we grow the network outside our teams internally and externally? Is it a matter of always looking for those high stakes projects or seeking mentorship? What are your thoughts on that, Anita? I think it's both, but seeking mentorship is very important. We had a mentor program, or we have a mentor program at NGA. I have been one of the mentors. Um, I had a couple of people that um, reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to be their mentor. and. That is also a great idea to build your network because especially internally, but you can also do it externally. Mm. Typically, if you approach people with a good reason why you think they should be your mentor, if they have some time available, I think most people that I know would say yes. Mm. Not gonna be a mentorship where they talk to you every week, but if it's 45 minutes every month, it's very doable. And don't forget that mentors also learn something from having mentees because mm. you know what people are struggling with. And sometimes as a mentor, um, I heard from different mentees what they were struggling with and it was the same thing. And that made me realize that we needed to change something at the corporate level because apparently mm. there was something that needed to be fixed. Um, and, and then if you if you have an external mentor, um, I've had an executive coach uh, for mm. a while. That is someone who gives you a different perspective, who isn't in the company, mm. and also be extremely helpful. So um, I think get a mentor. In, at first, it doesn't really matter if they're internal or external. But then also, once you've done that, become a mentor because mm. that's very interesting as well. I love that. You know, and it, it, you, I think it's like reach one, teach one, right? You know, right. and then reciprocate it, um, whether within your company or outside of your company. That's lovely. Thank you so much, Anita, because people are loving that response. Yatunde, one of our lovely viewers, 
is saying this is fantastic information. Thank you so much, Anita. So people are loving your tidbits and tips. So Anita, you know, now that you know we we've really kind of established the fact that one leadership is changing in the workplace, and more importantly, you know, people have to take more initiative in building networks and seeking high impact projects within their organizations because work the workplace is becoming more project oriented. I want to ask you, Anita, can you give me an example of some of the organizations or even leaders you believe are creating this type of workplace environment? Yeah, so it's I'm not gonna name any names. Um, that would not be uh, that would not be uh, prudent. But I think what you see companies understand more and more that in the past, we used to have a very hard line between work and life, right? Mm -hmm. So you had work-life balance and you need to make sure that you have enough life and um, that you're also present at work. But the two things didn't connect. Mm. With all the technology that is available, today um, and with the Wi-Fi that we uh, that we now have, we can yeah. work anywhere at any time. So you see that companies that understand that people have a personal life mm. and that are accepting of the fact that sometimes it's better for a person to work from home mm. uh, opposed to demanding that everyone is in the office from nine to five, for instance, are the companies that are more attractive to, um, to modern workers. And mm. so the same goes for companies that make sure that their people have going to say the latest and greatest in technology. If you can, um, if you have the tools that you need to get the work done, that also mm. A very attractive company to um, to people, and then one of the things that we found with the future of work research that we did was that it is also very different what people want. Mm. People, um, many people are looking for a job that fits their life at this point in time. Yeah, in two or three years their personal lives can be very different. Think for instance about a young family with some kids in kindergarten. They can, they need daycare or they need to uh, make sure that one of the parents is at home when the kids are not in school. Once your kids go get into elementary school, they are in school a longer period of time, right? And so your requirements to stay at home change. So mm -hmm. we, so a lot of that come back, um, you know, in the answers of, of this future of work study where people said it needs to be flexible. Could be that I want to work more from home now, but then in two years when my kids go to school, I'm perfectly happy to come into the office every day or to do more travel or to do something completely uh, different. And that was an answer that we had not seen before. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it makes sense too, right? For example, for me right now, 
you know, with the work that my team and I are doing within Guide, we're building a company, we're a distributed team, but we each have members on our on our on our founding team who work um, in different locations in our different points in our in life. For example, one of my co-founders, Mike, he has a family of four. And he's also a full-time teacher at the same time building a company, wow. building a venture. Um, so he has to really try to find balance. But at this time, he, him and his family have decided that they want to explore building a company, allow him to do this full-time. So he has to be really mindful of this point in his life and how he creates time, whether it be for a side project or to pursue his passions. So, you know, I can, you know, through his story, I can really relate with what you're saying, Anita, uh, because I think every uh, employee is going to go through a point in life. Maybe you're going to want to be a freelancer or you're going to want to work full-time only, or you're maybe going to even want to do both, right? Uh, at the same right. time, um, to better provide for your family. Right. Or you want to, huh, like I did, decide that you want to go on sabbatical for a couple of, uh, for a couple of months. So yeah. <laughs> like you, of, um, yeah, there will be all kinds of um, different approaches to mm. work. And especially if, if, if your work life is going to be more towards 50 years than it is 30 or 40 years, you need to think about it in a, in a different mm. way sense that there will be some years where you maybe want to take a time out um, to recharge and regroup or maybe you want to go back to school to learn something different mm. and that, that you you take a year off to do that um, you want to start family maybe you need to care for um, your parents or for other uh, for someone who is ill so there's a lot of variations and you see more and more companies be willing to adjust um, the, the nine to five, 40 hours a week because those people have or provide them with certain unique skills. Mm. And they don't want to lose those workers. So they are more accommodating um, than they were pro probably before. Mm. And I have that in, in many cases, work also allows you to be more accommodating, right? If you can um, cut work up in projects and you can agree with someone, okay, you do this part of the project and it requires that you work for me, let's say five or 10 hours a week, it's a lot different than when you want someone to be in the office nine to five, 40 hours a week. I love that. I love that, Ida. Yeah. And if you are loving this, Please make sure you're leaving comments or questions if you have any. Thank you so much, Tunde, Marciano, Isaac, Saad, Q, Olubi, all of you for tuning in and chiming in and sharing all of these amazing tips. If you have any questions, please make sure you leave it in the comments. So, Anita, I want to ask you, you know, now that you're on your sabbatical with NGAHR, what's next? What are you going to be doing in the world? Are you going to continue speaking? And where can our lovely community find you next? And also, if you're loving this episode with Anita, please make sure you share this with your network. I'm sure there's someone who needs this information and needs the value that we're sharing on this episode of the Unleashing the Future of Work. But with that said, Anita, what's next, right? Are you going to continue speaking? Um, if you, if people invite me, yes, I will <laughs> come and um, and speak. 
uh, especially on the futures of work, as you uh, as you know. But mostly, I'm going to use my um, sabbatical to think about what I'm going to do next. So I have no plans. I have no fixed um, picture in my mind of what I'm going to be doing uh, after the summer. Um, as you know, my sabbatical started today, so this is the first day. Um, Yay! <laughs> and, um, I have not exactly um, taken a lot of time to, to think this through. I'm going to um, take a couple of days, a couple of weeks to really finish um, the, you know, all the work that I've done in the, in the past 19 years, but also to take a step back and to mm. some room in, uh, in my head because you don't, you are not a part of, uh, the daily work, uh, uh, life anymore. And then I hope that in the next couple of months, I get some ideas and some clarity around what am I going to do with the rest of my life? I have no idea. So, um, no. Um, but if people would like to, you know, ask a question or reach out, I will still be on LinkedIn. Yay! I'll be on Twitter. So um, you can find me there and reach out and I'll be sure to, uh, to connect. Yeah. So you heard it. You heard it, y'all. To the Unleashing the Future of Work community, if you want to find Anita, please follow her, connect with her on LinkedIn or reach out to her on Twitter where she's incredibly active. And as well, if you visit her LinkedIn, you'll check out that she also has an amazing website where she has a bit of details on what she speaks on in her history as well. So definitely reach out to Anita for all of your future of work keynoting needs. <laughs> With that said, thank you so much, Anita, for being part of this episode of Unleashing the Future of Work. The community loves you. They were so enthralled with some of the mentions that you shared around the importance of building networks internally and externally and mentorship as well. I think those are some things that really, really are relevant in today's day and age. And we actually have one more question from Saad, who's a technology project manager. He's asking, how do we suggest people determining or how do you suggest we determine of an organization that meets our criteria criteria for work life? What do you think about this, Anita? How do you how do we go about determining this? Um, does he mean if to if they or to join a company that is? Yeah. So how do you determine if an organization meets your correct criteria for work oh, life? Okay, got it. I would say ask a lot of questions, um, and also. Find some people who work for that company on LinkedIn or on Twitter and, and, and just see what they post, what they have to say um, and, and, and read their comments because that, mm. will, that will tell you a lot. And once again, people on these networks are typically very friendly and very collaborative. So it, doesn't hurt to reach out to them and ask them a question. Yeah. And to Saad, to Anita's point, I would suggest, you know, before you start interviewing and before your first 90 days with a company, try to interview two to three people who may work in the same role in the same division um, of the same company that you want to work with and ask them about the culture. 
truly ask them about the culture and write down everything they say from what work feels like to how often are deadlines prioritized because that will give you a full perspective on what life is going to be like within that within that organization and if it meets your work life criteria um and i think lastly you know i think prioritizing what at this point in your life as anita's mentioned what are you prioritizing the most you know do you want to start a family soon do you want to travel a lot because there might be organizations that fit that that lifestyle um that that you really want to embody so think about that what are you prioritizing at this point in your life that was a great question, Scott, and I'm sure a lot of members appreciate that. Oh, Florencia. Okay, Anita, people do not want you to leave yet. <laughs> they have more questions for us. So how do you recommend we cultivate the relationships with people in our network without just reaching out to them with the need for help? Ooh, Anita, what are your thoughts on this? I, I think that, um, like I mentioned before, if you want to cultivate relationships, especially in this day and age, it's not always a face-to-face -face conversation, right? Very mm -hmm. often it's virtual. And so give them something that they need. Be mm. interesting on Twitter or LinkedIn. Don't overshare, um, but share some good information that you know people are interested in. And in that way, you can, you can build your online profile and if you do that, people will come back to you. But I always like the idea of giving back or giving something to get something. And you know that when you start to share information with people or something else about yourself, some people share music, others mm. share movies. Uh, Tim has a podcast that, that he shares, but he also shares a lot of other uh, uh, stuff about mentoring and networks. So make sure that you give something back. That I think that is really important. Anita, I love that so much. And Florencia, my same tidbits would be similar to Anita. Try to add value to every relationship that you want to start. You know, one of the things that when I first met Anita, she was like, I would love to have you on a podcast. And I love being on podcasts. And that's how we actually ended up building a relationship over, over time. And I think, for instance, if you think about whoever you're trying to reach out to and build a relationship, how can you add value from the start of the relationship in a sense of what are opportunities for you all to collaborate, right? Um, whether it be you starting a podcast, you featuring them on a blog post, or you connecting them to their next big opportunity. These are all ways to kickstart a relationship with a warm introduction um, versus just reaching out and saying, I need help, help me now. Because what you will find is that people often don't have time to give unless they realize how you want to support or collaborate with them, right? And that there's mutual interest involved. So definitely think along those lines, Lorencia. And with that said, we're going to cap the questions there. If you loved this episode of Unleashing the Future of Work, please make sure you share this video. And also tag me in all of your comments on LinkedIn. I'm super active on there. Show some love to I and Anita, Anita and I. And make sure you connect with Anita on her LinkedIn and Twitter. She is amazing. One of my wonderful friends. And I can't wait to see what you do next, Anita. Thank you so much. Thank for being you. Of unleashing the future of work. Awesome, awesome. All right, and we're out. Thank you all so much. I hope you all have a great rest of your day.
Bye. <laughs> Bye.